Hi, this is Susan Ivett, founder of Human Behavioral Lab. If you want to take your craft to the next level, a level you never knew before, then you should listen to my good friend, Brandon Strasa with Mastermind Effect. You love to learn, grow, and improve yourself, but you're still not where you want to be? The right mastermind can be the ultimate secret weapon when it comes to personal development, but trying to find the one that's built for you isn't always easy. Welcome to the Mastermind Effect, the one and only show that focuses on helping you cut through the noise, invest in yourself, and move past your natural limits. This is everything you need to know about masterminds, brought to you by your host, Brandon Straza. Hey everyone, today we've got the human polygraph, Susan Ibitz. She's worked with the Navy, Harvard, and the Secret Service when it comes to human behaviors through facial reading. We get into how the first impression has nothing to do with you. We talk about how our senses are going to change for the better because of what we've been going through in the world. She talks about how the cost of a college can kill your financial future and how to follow the 80-20 rule when it comes to listening to understand. Check it out. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. I believe the only way to unlock your potential is to tap into the experience of others. And today we have what has been stated as the human polygraph, the founder of the Human Behavior Lab, Susan Ibit. Susan, welcome to the show. How's it going? How are you doing? Thank you for having me, Brenda. I'm happy. I told you, I hope you see my, my happy dance and you says, well, I hope you dance better than I am. Like, no, no way. I have two left foot. And we, we've already had an amazing conversation where you actually did a, you know, you read me over a few minutes and it was, it was so spot on. And I, I tell you what, I'm, I've just got chills right now knowing the conversation we're about to have and the conversation that we already had. So again, if anyone wants to reach out to you because they feel after this that they really jam with you and they really vibe with you, what's the best way for them to find you? humanbehavioralab.com is our training consulting for our teams. For example, you have a team that you need to take it to the next level. That's where we do it. But if you already want a training package, like online, we do both online. But what I'm saying is like the, the classes are done is humanbehaviorhackerschool.com. But if you want us to design a special training for your needs, it's humanbehaviorlab.com. We decided to separate it since all this craziness is easy. Yeah. And, and when we talk about the training, uh, you're working with people at Harvard, CIA, FBI, uh, some of the most unbelievable minds in the world and, and doing what you're doing. And you're one of the only people in the world that has that is trained with, you know, in, in the profession that you exactly do. So just honestly reach out if it's someone that you want to connect with and have an unbelievable conversation. So let's dive into it and let's get into kind of education over the last, you know, 10, 15 years, the availability for us to have access has really changed, in my opinion, in the last five, 10 years. When we were younger, we learned from books and teachers around us. Um, and eventually, we started learning from our friends and our family, and they only gave us a sliver of what was possible. How has your learning changed from your early years versus today? Actually, I was reading, um, I don't remember what um, institution was saying that in the next 15 years, what we know as a PhD master is going to disappear because take too long and reality changed too fast. I didn't have the chance to go to the traditional college because I was uh, determined to be disabled when I was 16 for high dyslexic, but ended up being one of my gifts. When you're dyslexic, your brain going, there are two ways that you're ambidextric in your brain. So your emotional part and your logical part are get together when you cross in your arms and when you're dyslexic. So my two part of the brain working all the time. So that's what I can use the logical part to read you and the emotional way to connect and how to tell you. So my way to learning, it was always outside the box. Now everybody's studying and learning in the same way so for what everybody's a surprise today and like oh my god people doesn't have more than 90 days span of attention it's like that's the way i've been training all my life why because you have the paper great you have a paper who says that you pass now the difficult and complication coming you need to honor the people who accept you to their classes in my case i was accepted in classes for being the only civilian never accepted before so i need to fight for it so respecting the masters i still call my teacher sir we have been going sailing for drinks but I still call them sir because they give me the passionate 
gift of knowledge and that it's for me it's unbelievable you can give everybody everything they want but your time and your knowledge is something that cannot be replicated so my training also always has been short term and a lot of practice so i'm going from do pro bono to get a tent on a on on a fair on the weekends and reading people and asking people send me a letter and send me two letters and one letter you need to be lying and another one you need to be telling the truth and so I can practice if you tell them the truth or not. Or going through my friends' uh, pro dating profiles. So I practice all the time. So for me, learning, it's one path. You, have, you can have the tendency to want to be a doctor. In that case, hello. If you do, didn't went through your for 15 years of training, go to another doctor. But in another thing that has to do with behavior, has to do with human, it has to do with that intrinsic thing that I want to do it. I don't know if a PhD would get me what I'm today because what I need to do the untraditional path and I can think from the three letter agencies who train me to the civilians, I can put it together in a way that maybe other people who coming from only one path cannot adapt or navigate. I call them the wave. You can decide where you're going to go and when you're going to land. So, I mean, you, from, even from what I opened up with is that we learn from the experience of others. So you're taking some of the traditional formats and then some of the civilian formats and you're mixing them together by learning from their experiences to make what you've done possible. I learn more from people than books. Books mm -hmm. are words that everybody can read, but I have the, double say it, I have the amazing luxury to be sitting and still be mentoring from people that other people read in a book and they don't have access. I was having an argument the other day about a statement analysis, how to analyze a statement and says, well, X and Y says this and this. Okay, let me call him. Like, what do you mean? Like, I have it in my WhatsApp. So I call him for and speak and says, hey, sir, you're in a speaker, so don't say anything inappropriate. I have a person who's quoting you and say that. And he says, all the bad words says, I never saw that. So you can quote me, I never saw that. And the other person was like, holy cow, you know him. Like, I told you he never says that. Was misleading in an article and multiplied, but he never say it. So the next time, be careful what you quote him. Wow. Yeah. The, the power of connectivity right there. And, and let's kind of go in the, the book where you were talking about books right there is we have more ways to take in information than ever before. And it can be confusing with the amount of information we have available to us. Some people learn from mentors, other learn from account and accountability partners, some from masterminds and, you know, other people take online courses. Who are you currently learning from and how did you find them? I cannot say the name of the person because uh, this person uh, was well. Remember a couple of years ago that it was leaked a report from the Secret Service mm -hmm. about how certain politicians make decisions for how they move their body. It's called MPA. Okay. Well, the one of the person who was working on that report that was leaked and wasn't supposed to be leaked how Putin make decision is my actual coach. So for respect, I cannot say her name, but she's my coach at the moment is my, my next certification. And now I'm learning from another person that is, it's semi-retired. She taking some students and she take me to what we, a PhD of face reading. She does a way deeper comprehension than I have done before. And what was the other thing that I was, is, it wasn't graphology. Oh, I want to learn how to read lips. There you go. Wow. That's, that's, that's going to be my, my next one. So um, I'm going to be challenged. I think that's going to be more the difficult ones because my senses are, my ear senses are really connected. So it's easy when you have any diminished with your senses to elevate others. So learning to read, um, to read lips is going to be really, really difficult, but I want to start doing that. Only for fun. We'll do the next podcast with just, you know, with just our lips and we won't do anything else with it. So <laughs> I know we can't say who it is exactly that you're learning from, but are you able to kind of sit there and say, how did you find them? Because I think a lot of people sit there and say, this person is unattainable, which if you really look at what we're going through right now, more people are available than ever before. So how did you end up finding the people that you've learned from? Basically, I was a stalker for years to some people. In the case of, for example, I always says Lina Cisco. I 
read about her, read her, all her books. I, I saw her TikTok and politely says, I will love to train with you the day you have a civilian training. And for three years, she says, I'm not training civilians. Well, is any way that any of the I agencies, if I sign a non-confidentiality agreement, and confidentiality, non-competitive, maybe I can start like, no, no, no. So finally, after three years, she says, okay, I'm going to give a class to civilian. I already register you because I don't drive me crazy anymore. So you start with one that you respect, and that person is going to start giving you the pad. Actually, some of my teachers has uh, bring me work and have recommend me for work. Oh, they recommend me from another podcast or to meet another people on the, on the boys club. I always call it the boys club in deception detection. There are more boys than girls. So, and I've been introduced to them through other people. So, first, you need to learn who you want to learn from. Second, you need to make sure that everything that you want to put in your brain is as important as what you put in your body. And it's kind of BS because I've been eating pizza for two weeks, so I shouldn't say that. But usually, <laughs> I eat healthy. Lately, I, I have a craving for, for pizza. I must be becoming older. So, but you need to know what you put in your brain because when you get the information wrong from the wrong person, break that nose as an adult and fix it is really difficult. I always says, you don't need to work with me. The only thing I ask you is ask for the certification, the years of experience, testimonials, and what they have done. So I know a lot of people now that, for example, they used to offer sales training. And three months ago, they don't know what is body language. And now they offer a certification in body language and behavior. And what is worries me is now they don't hire me to do it, is that we're going to have a bunch of sales reps not knowing what they're doing. I don't teach sales reps. I don't teach you how to sell. I teach you science. I teach you behavioral. I teach you how to profile your customers in 90 seconds. Now what you're going to be selling and how you're going to be selling is your problem, not mine. Somebody else can train you. But it worries me that now everybody's an expert. Everybody's talking about they think they don't have an idea. And you're going to have people profiling, driving, and doing a lot of things from other people who don't know what they do. So that is scary. You need to find a mentor, stick with that person. And most people give up when the things start getting difficult. That's when I get more excited. Because meaning that if the other person is giving me tasks that are more and more difficult, they believe in me. You don't fight for something or someone you don't trust, you don't believe. So when they fight me, when they challenge me, when they take the time to say what I did wrong and how to do it better, is when I really feel good with myself. Instead to punish myself, it's like, oh, they really care about them doing things right. Yeah. I mean, if you're looking at your mentor and they're standing next to a Lamborghini next to a yacht and they're saying, I'm the expert and I'll make you, you know, a hundred thousand dollars, I'll make you six figures inside of three months. You didn't mm. really look, you, you just saw, you saw what you, they wanted you to see, not what they've actually accomplished and not what they're even able to do. And that, that is a scary thing that you've got a lot of those. Um, you've got a Ten lot of those ways to make everybody fall in love with you five things to be charismatic like oh come on guys we know yeah. you, you the first impression has nothing to do with you it has to do with the other person if you look like your grandmother who used to punish you or you smell like your ex partner and you have the same perfume my first impression of you is like i don't like you so i always say to people who believe in first impression well put it to the trash i have news for you it has nothing to do with you what I'm going to teach you is how to fix it when it's unfixable or it's ruined even though you, you try to make everything right. For example, I know you have been dating a long, long time, but when you was preparing that date and everything was perfect, the restaurant, the music, and the date was horrible. And suddenly your Uber, Uber were late or your taxi was late, you couldn't shape, you were in your uh, clothing for the gym and you went to a date and that day was perfect. And everything was said to be wrong. So what happened there has to do with the other person too. It's not only has to do with you. So in hello, we have 50-50. I'm coming here. You come into the other 50. 
So if the other 50 doesn't come to you, you need to come to them. That's when you need to apply the first impression. But then you're going to manage how to do first impression. Oh my God, I have ruined so many first impressions from people that I've been waiting for a month to meet. Then I should have an Oscar for the tenacity. to. I, I am specialized in ruining your names and first impression. Always. Yeah. That's, that is amazing and, and scary, you know, at the same time, if you think about it, um, you know what the other person's bringing to the table. So you realize it's not all on that individual. It's the story they're bringing to it. So take such a weight on your shoulders. Like, oh my God, I'm responsible for everything in the world. Like, no, you're responsible for yourself. What other person think, whatever you do, everything that you're going to do is to reinforce how the other person doesn't like you. So you need to pick your battles. If it's not the only person you need to be working with, or it's not the most important client in your life, piece of advice, walk away. Yeah. It's, and it's sometimes walking away, you know, you know, you've got to be slow to hire, quick to, quick to fire. So let's move on with that, you know, about people in general. Like a lot of people get, they get stuck and they don't know how to execute what's inside their head. We've recently gone through or we're still going through a pandemic. To me, this is causing, or I would say, kind of creating a reset in how we're able to accomplish things. How have masterminds or mentorship helped you when you're looking to reset yourself and how you do things? I always say you, need, you, you cannot fix a nose if you don't break it. And I know it's, it's, it sounds extreme, but that's how surgeons fix noses. One of the things that I was talking with somebody last week is that Everybody's so concentrated on the negative part, but there are things that are going to come positive. Mass society, because one of the senses are going to be diminished, other senses are going to start paying attention, like the weight of the words. People say 7% of the communication is words. You know that was in a test done one time, never scientific proof, and was a control situation, never was tested out of the lab. Hmm. And everybody's replicating it. So if I'm talking to you on the phone, if I'm blind, if I, you send me an email, I still can determine if you are trying to be deceived or not. And I have done it for text. I can even describe how certain features on the face. So we need to be careful. So I think finally we're going to have the chance to start paying attention to other senses, to other things and the weight of the words. So when people talk, we're going to need to be paying attention because half of the face is covered. And, and even though the people who never wanted to be exposed, now they need to learn uh, virtual body language, who has nothing to do with the regular, but has a lot to do with the codes that you need to use. 90 degree angle on the camera. Your sound needs to be good. You need to be showing your hands. If your uh, dress code in the company, certain dress code, you need to keep it. Even though if you were like me, I'm wearing my sweatpants because again, I've been eating pizza for two weeks. So, but you don't need to know that and see it. So I think it's going to teach us to better connect because everybody's in Zoom. It's going to get to a point where everybody's going to get bored and we're going to go back to, I talked to you on the phone, but I think one of the things that we're going to learn from this situation is to interrelate with others. And another thing, value things that nobody pay attention before. I miss my, I do a couple of uh, pro bono works on the weekends. There are the highest satisfaction that I have because it's people who never could have paid my, my training and they're really needed. And one of my last students went from doing 15,000 to go to Mary Lynch to do six numbers and like, oh my God. I just want to go out and celebrate. We can. And I miss to see their faces. I miss to working with them. I miss the training. So another thing that I miss is going sailing with my friends. And I always underestimated, like, if I cannot go this Sunday, go the next one. And like, now we cannot go. Uh, touching people, uh, kissing people, um, holding hands, shake hands. When do you think we're going to be shaking hands again? And I give a complete class about uh, how people can perceive you by shaking hands. I don't know what is going to happen again. Do you know that a shaking hands is equal to three hours of human interaction? Do you know how hard now you need to work to make a good, good impression and like show that you know what you're doing? Yeah. I think it's going to be complicated. 
I would assume it's if it's if it's three hours just from a handshake, it's probably a, a two or three X multiple. It's probably six to nine hours now that you're going to have to work to get that same interaction or that same trust. I did a study uh, and I was looking what are the hormones because every mark, micro expression has to do with an hormone generated in your brain or in your body. So I was looking for what is the hormone who happen when you shake hands and when you t somebody touch you and it's oxytocin and when we review what are the micro expressions that do the same is smiling. Actually, I did today a segment on LinkedIn talking about why smiling is so important. So if you receive someone with a welcome smile, it's the same to handshake. So we find a way to teach people how to be more approachable online that is horrible. Do you know that 80% of the people is afraid to public speaking? This is way more painful because now I'm seeing myself all the time. The other way, I see you, but now I see you and I see myself. Like, oh, I was recording a segment before I talked to you. I record for an hour, 50 minutes to have one minute 40 of promotion. <laughs> Oh my. Because I have the monitor and like, I was like looking myself and like, oh my God, Susan, you need to look on the camera. One hour, 15 minutes to one hour, 45 seconds of promo. Huh. So the guys on the edit, I'm going to edit that video because they're going to kill me when they see the promo. So I'm going to do it. But it's true. Even though I know because I'm more conscious that how I move the hands, my, my expression, it's way more difficult for me to record. And it's horrible. I hate it. This yeah. is painful. <laughs> One, well, I, I was going to add on to what you had said there. I had a previous mentor of mine that sat there and said, if most of your business is done over the phone, you need to smile. And I didn't ask why. I just listened to it, you know, his follow up. They can hear you smile over the phone. And it's amazing. Like if you listen to someone's tonality and when, when their pitch raises or lowers, what they're really looking for in that connection. Mm -hmm. It's true. I always ask people who does sales or conversations on the phone to have a mirror in front of them so they can see their face when they are tired or they look uh, mad. And I always say, sometimes it's better to walk away and come back tomorrow because people is going to smell when you are not doing well. People can smell that in the tone of your voice. So that's what is so important, how you say Like, for example, you says, um, how many years of expertise, Susan, you have like 28? Do you know how many years of expertise you have? Why you why you put in a question at the end? So, yeah. for a trained year, in, not even for an extremely trained year, you can find those things in a conversation and a podcast and whatever. Yeah, yeah, you need to be careful. What someone is saying and what they actually don't realize what they're actually asking sometimes can be two different things. So, I mean, yeah, it's really it is paying attention to what you're saying and like focusing on what your face looks like, even if you can't see it. One of the things that, that I love is when I'm going to buy something and I ask for the warranty and says, well, usually it's two years of warranty. Like, what is the other way? So, and they say, what do you mean? Like, usually <laughs> we, were, we were, I was training two new people on the team and I asked for a demo from a company and I was receiving the demo. And at the end, the guy says, well, usually, and the other person, he's a profiler star. <laughs> And everybody like, why are you laughing? Wait for it. So, sir, if usually that have happened, how is the other way it's happened? And she laughs, says, I knew you're not going to let it go. Like, no, we're talking about warranty. What is usually meaning it's another way. But when you do a composed questions, it says, um, how much money are you going to win and how much money are you going to lose in this business? Only 10%. Your brain is going to accommodate that 10% and what is convenient for you. But when somebody comes back and says, well, I told you you're going to lose uh, 90% because you're only going to win 10%, you say, they're going to say, like, no, I said 10%. The other thing was what your brain put together. So you never do a composed question, ever, never anything. Never do a composed questions. People don't lie to you. You don't make the right questions. So you need to keep doing questions. If the other person get mad or get nervous, it's because they have something to hide. Something is going on. So keep moving. Yeah. Wow. I mean, just everything. I'm, I'm taking everything in and then it's it's making me I think, think about how I think for your face reading before we start. <laughs> <laughs> we, should have, we should have done that later. Anyways. No, uh, we talk about really private things. I, I know, don't think it I know, I know, I know. All right. So masterminds and self-education have been around for a long time. I mean, if you look mm -hmm. back, the masterminds, it, 
back to the apostles. Then Benjamin Franklin had the leather and apron club and Napoleon Hill defined it eventually. But self-education's really been around for a long time. Why do you feel that there's been a larger boom in self-education moving away from traditional education over the last few years? And where do you see it going? You want to be 50 and paying mortgage for something you studied 30 years ago and you are not reflected in salary. Simple. When I spend almost the same amount of money, but I, I have 50 something certifications, that is way more than we'd have in a traditional education. I have friends who are not able to retire because they co-sign the mortgage, uh, the, the loan for their kids to go to college. And they says, I cannot retire. Why? Because I owe more money than I have done in my life. So seriously, if you're looking for a uh, college and master without talking about a PhD, we're talking about a quarter million dollars. So again, if you're an engineer, if you're an architect who's going to build a house on a community, if you're a doctor, certain degrees, they do require a study. But another ones like the craft of cells or behavior, you don't need to kill yourself going to the university. You can go to a certain small amount of training, manage it in your own time, and not everybody's prepared for the pressure that, oh, I need to do my, my first part of the career in two years. So I don't need to be doing like college in two years. Like, no, some people need more time because some people, some people take longer to process information. So you need to pay more. It's not that you're slower. When you take information too fast, you forget too fast. But for example, some classes I have done it three times, but I remember things that not other people who did the first class with me because, oh, I got it, I got it. I'm like, no, I didn't. Can you repeat it? Can you repeat it? So I process in different way. So if I were to go to college, maybe it would take me five years to six and I would need to pay two more times than normal to get to college. And I still would be paying for a debt that I don't know if I would have used. Because in order to at least to do what I do, is not college who teach you. You need to go with people who is mentoring you. And actually, astrology and things like that, on the 1600, 700, they were teach by mentor by mentor. So the traditional way that you teach things in your family. Most people who's really good in face reading, it coming from the linear part of the family when they teach the kids since they are kid, they're small. The oriental part of face reading against the western part of face reading, most the oriental part is coming from uh, generations of learning. The western is the one who is more taught on schools, or in, in case that you want to be shadowing a Chinese um, face reader to do diagnostic. I don't do that, but I know that most people is really good in that, Mei Yang is called. And they, they know for, because they're coming from linear family. So they learn it since they're five years old. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's, it sounds like, it's, again, go back to, do you learn from experiences and mentorship or do you learn from a textbook? And, and let's be honest, mentors have mentors. Like, you know, even the best mentors have someone out there that's mentoring them. And the path to success doesn't always have to go through a traditional sense of a quarter million dollars. Yeah. You, if you look for a sport person, I don't know, a soccer player, it's natural good. What makes it exceptional is practice. Having the right coach, eating healthy, uh, practicing every day, not lose control of their life, and that's what makes them exceptional. Everybody's good when they start. What makes the difference is what you put on top of all that. Yeah. So again, you can go to Harvard and you can, you can go to MIT, but if you don't have any emotional intelligence to work in a team and accept that other people can be, have different, uh, different tendencies or different styles or different preferences and it's not they driving you crazy, but you can drive them crazy too, you're never going to be able to work in a team. You're never going to build anything because by yourself, you can go faster that go further, it's only who you have next to you. So that, that's fine. I always say the same. The five people in your personal life, the five people in your business life is who make you who you are. You're a stock. Start looking around who is mentoring you and who's giving you advice after work because probably that people is more stock than you are and that's the reason you start feeling it. Yeah, I just and I just heard that expression the other day. I think I was on a conversation with Steve Sims and it was, you can go faster by yourself, but further with the right partnership. 
And I just talked about uh, partnerships and why it's so integral to, you know, for to find the right partnership. And I think that's a that's a difficult thing when you're looking for success and you're looking to build something is finding that right partnership that you don't want it to be like sandpaper where it's too gritty, but you need someone to come up against you and challenge you and help get you over. Each other. It. Yeah. It's complimented. You don't need to, you don't need a twin. You don't need an opposite. You need somebody who compliment you and you can compliment that person too. So what I'm saying is I says that a partnership in business is as important a partnership in your personal life because the amount of time and the trust you need to have in that person and that person need to have in you, it's something that built over time. Yeah. And you don't need someone who says all the time, oh, you're doing great. I was partnering some time ago with a person that only says, oh, that was awesome. That was awesome. I'm like, no, that is BS. It was terrible. My first webinar, I threw up before, during, and after because I was myself on the computer. Oh my God. And says, never again. And she was like, oh my God, it was amazing. The best one. Like, dude, I was throwing up in the middle. I put a video so I can throw up in a bucket that I have next to me. What is wrong with you? And I, that's what I learned. Like, I will not going to learn anything here. I'm not going to grow myself if I, if I keep surrounded by this person because for this person, everything that I do is great. And what I did was horrible. So I retreat, regroup, and from now on, on all the webinars that I do is with another person because I need to see your face. I need to see your reaction. I read people. So when it's only the square and myself talking and people may be doing a question, it's like I physically painful. But I didn't find out that and I didn't find out that I need to wait another way to do it until somebody who I trust says, oh, that was amazing. Like, you really, I don't know who's your dealer, but you need to change it because whatever you're smoking is affecting your brain. Yeah. And you were able to shift gears unbelievably mm-hmm. quick. You were able to fire that situation and move on and realize that, hey, this wasn't for you and that's okay. Not every partnership, not every relationship is going to be the right fit. You just have to recognize it quick enough and move on from there. So typically when, when people invest in their, their futures, they have a better than vague idea of what they're going to get we're able to see some form of expectation and know maybe what the outcome is going to be. What should people expect when they enter your reality? Fun. First of all, um, one of the things that I do believe is adult education need to be fun because when you have oxytocin, adrenaline, and dopamine, uh, everything weird produce dopamine in your brain. Do you know what dopamine does to your brain? It's the addicted hormone. So if I generate dopamine by being weird, actually the first circus were freak circus. People went to see people with two heads, three legs. That's what people, a Ripley, you have more Ripley Museum than Guggenheim around the world. People hmm. like weird because get that dopamine. So when I'm, I'm weird and fun, people learn another way. So they, they live in like, oh my God, I have fun and I learned something new. Another thing that you can expect is to be inexpectable. You expect anything that you never expect before because you're going to be broken in pieces and put in together and you're going to live with a superpower. A superpower that is going to come in a toolbox. And I always says, I can give you a hammer. You can kill someone or you can build a village. What you do with this power is your decision. So you can learn how to see others better. You can learn how to communicate. You can understand that people, again, not trying to drive you crazy. People can uh, use this to simplify situations that are taking longer to make decisions because you're biased and you're emotional. You can take the emotion away. I, somebody asked me the other day, says, do you think it's racist? Like, well, you only ask for things that you think. You never acquire or ask for behaviors that you're not feeling in yourself that one of the reasons some people don't understand they need training some company says oh we're doing great because the numbers are going great in six months they close so when somebody asks me that and says i don't see colors i don't see race i don't see gender i see features in your face maybe it sounds unhuman but allow me not to be biased allow me to see who you are beside the color race age and gender what i see is what i get now, when people start asking those kind of questions, like, well, those are not behaviors that I have on that I have implemented or incorporated in my life. So if you ask for that, it's because something is going on in your head. That's, that is a game that I'm not going to play. 
Wow. That is, so I mean, like someone comes to you and, and they, they're bringing that attribute out in themselves. They're asking the wrong thing. So they're looking for the wrong solution, I guess, at the end of the day. Does that sound? Yeah. And more people in another case, there are some things that need to be proven and need to be good, like deception detection, because if you have a police officer doing the wrong questions or doing the wrong techniques, somebody can end up in jail. But face reading um, or physiognomy or statement and certain things that it's only good for sell or for realtors where uh, the stakes are not so high. How much academic studies you have uh, backing up to prove it? Like every academic thing, you have people who swear on it and you have people who go against. My personal experience is all the things that I study are suitable and they're working based on what the needs you have. So I have people who says, I never would have used that in a police interrogation because I cannot defend it in court. And says, nobody says that you need to tell in court that you use it. But how you communicate with someone, you can get faster to open with that person and that person open to you to have the truth. With when you have a relationship, when you have a customer, when you're the manager, and when you get to your team, get faster to know the truth or at least to open the communication channel with that person to get to the point for both and get to the short, safe on both parts. So like lawyers, and says, okay, I'm going to teach you how to do it. How you use it is your responsibility. If you don't want to know who is your weakest witness, somebody else is going to do it. If you don't want to know if your client lying to you, it's amazing how many lawyers hire me to know if their client is lying to them. And this is why, because I only see how much money I can make in this case, but I lost, I start being biased and I cannot determine if the person is lying to me. Can you interview this person? So they hire me and like, oh yeah, this is BS. This is not happening. It's not happening the way he says or she says it's happened. The fall in the supermarket, it didn't happen. You're gonna find out on the camera it didn't happen. So it's proven by, by science, not proven by science, Face reading in this case has been around for 5,000 years. Mm -hmm. uh, you have Harvard study the symmetry on the faces in 2001. There have some PhD talking about the white of the face has to do with the testosterone. So depending off of the sport that you're going to play, some features in your face are preference. If you look at the quarterbacks, they're looking for the same mother for different father. All of them have the same face. It has to do with certain tendencies they have. So again, Always you're going to find people who hate it and love it, all the aspect on behavior that I do, because I think people is really sensitive because they feel there is intrusive. Because I know about you, things that you never would have told me. Like I told you things about you, there is no way even if I Google you, I will know about really, really personal things in your life and values in your life that you never had talked before. Oh, if you do, I I didn't look good because I didn't know you're going to ask me for the reading. So what I'm saying is I was accurate. I, I talked to you in a way that you can understand it's not going to run. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it was good for you to know that like, okay, that's nothing wrong. It's that way I am. That's my preference. Good to know. It's, it's, it's valuable to you. When you talk to friends, they are being having argument and their and the relationship and you say like, you know what? You have different ears and different eyebrows. So you intake and process information differently. So that's how he needs to be talked, how she needs to be talked. So the next time you have an argument, stop and think, and think like, oh, it's not how I see it. It's how you need it. So if I can do things in based on what your needs and you think in based on my needs, now we have one less problem. It's not personal anymore because I know you're not doing this on purpose as your tendencies as how your brain is wired. That's what I want to take away when people get in these arguments like how many studies says is great and how many studies says is wrong. Like, okay, it's helped you. It's good for you. It's going to take you to the next step of the career. Go for it. it again, it's not... I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a brain surgeon. I helping you to improve your communication. Yeah. So, and, and let's, let's stick in that. And, and you do this in group settings, you do this in uh, individual settings for, for people. You know, I feel that people have a way of surprising us due to their willingness to learn. The rooms you put together are typically hand selected. And, and, and so like, has anyone 
that has been to something that you've put on surprised you and what they were able to accomplish and what was the outcome because of the room that you put together? I would say that one of the persons that surprised me the most, uh, you can determine who's going to be the pain in the neck in the class because they want to sit on the right and they want to sit on the left. So the right is going to be driving you crazy and the left one is a troublemaker. But the one on the center is the one who really want to know that. Be careful. But I have a person that was really, really behind on, on the back of the room, didn't want to participate in anything. And when I start talking to this person, this person asked me to do one-on-one coaching. I don't do one-on-one coaching anymore because I work with big companies. I don't work too much with 500 Fortune because they take six months to make a decision. And by six months, the problem they have already, they have a new one. So I like to work with companies where we can make decisions in two weeks and see improvement fast and keep helping. But this person, it took it like easy three years to like assistant of sales manager uh, that was 15 years ago. Today is the CEO of a big, big company. This person has everything needed. He didn't know how to accommodate it. I always says your closet was full of things and you didn't know how to organize it. So what I help is to put everything that you have on the closet on top of the bed, reorganize. And so now every time that now you open your closet, now you can go and find out the things that you need. That's what is amazing. So that's what you, I do with the training. That's what I do with managers. Something that managers are getting part-time understanding is people do not need to understand you. You need to understand your team because your work as a manager is to put the people who need to go together. You need to put people who complement each other and you need to get sales rep put to the right customers. So 60% of the population is introvert or ambivert. Most people think the extroverts does do a really good sales rep. Well, I have news for you. The best sales rep are ambivert. The best lawyers are ambivert. And the best managers are ambivert. They know how to navigate. Actually, Daniel Pink says that one of the best attributes you can have is to be an ambivert because you can navigate all the situations at once with more, fast, more easily way to accommodate. So if I get that right, and I'm just curious, you're, you're an introvert and an extrovert as an ambivert. Is that correct? Correct. You are an ambivert when you can manage your introversion and extroversion depending on the situation and you can situational put your needs. And only to be clear, introversion and extroversion has to do and how you intake information. Mm -hmm. I have the one, the highest introversion I ever saw in a test. What has to do is after I do a day, like I have a couple of videos and interview today, after you, I'm going to take two hours until my next interview on my next meeting because I need to be with my thoughts inside my head. Probably going to go for a walk on the forest, go to the beach, have a coffee, go back and have another meeting. That's the way an introvert works. I manage my ambiversion knowing that I need to do it, looking for the best way to adapt to get that. Yeah. Wow. That's very insightful, even you know for myself. So Thank you for that part right there. Do you know that ambivert do 24% more than an introvert and 32% more than an extrovert? Wow. It's almost a million dollar in 45 years career. Wow. So it's good to start paying attention. What are your tendencies really fast? Yeah, that is that is more than food for thought as, as, as we're getting yeah. clo- closer to the end here. So I was talking with someone recently, you know, about what it takes to create success. And I think there's a lot of different things um, in this. There's there's mentorship, there's willingness to fail, experimentation, uh, partnerships. And, and the one thing that I kind of got stuck on was someone's willingness to succeed. With the sensitivity of social media out there, I think we're really afraid to actually talk about our successes. What do you feel it takes for someone to get over that hump and, and over that fear of being successful? First of all, what is your definition of success? I think money-wise, what was I was more successful ten to twelve years ago than I am now. Not because I'm doing bad; it's because I was doing a bunch of money and working six months on, um, a year only. When you work in political campaigns, you work six months, and sometimes you have one year sabbatical. And I wasn't feeling successful, so I didn't talk about it because I wasn't successful. Now my life is completely 180 degree, and I feel successful. How I express it is that in 
trying to push people to do what they love, to have a meaning, uh, not to wait until you're 60 or retired to do the things you want to do. Two years ago, I decided to have a house on the forest and a house and a, and a flat on the city, and I commute all the time. I never been more productive, more happy. And I was like, oh, when I have 60, and one day I'm like, what the heck? Why I need to? What if something happened to me and I die before that? What if I, whatever can happen, I'm not going to enjoy it. So successful first is what is your parameter, and second, I think that people don't want to talk about it because. I don't remember if it was um, Machiavelli Oscar Wilde who says, keep your enemies near, but your friends near this. Because envy, it's something who happened between your peers more than your enemies. Your enemies are so busy fighting you and not envy you, but sometimes you have envy around your circle. And that's kind of affecting you because when somebody consciously or unconsciously envy you, what you're doing without knowing the effort it takes to get there, they maybe can give you a bad advice. So you tend to keep things for yourself because even though you love the people that surround you, sometimes you don't know if you can trust them because their own implications, their own personal life can be getting biased when they need to give you an advice because even though they love you and they they want the best for you, is that moment of bias who can like, they give you bad advice. So I think that is the principal reason people do not share success or good things to happen in life because most people is not doing good and they, they don't know how to manage it. Yeah, that's that's so true. And it's it's who you surround yourself with, not only from a business partnership, personal relationship, but also personal friendships and the people that you surround yourself with and how you interact with them. You don't always need that rah-rah cheer squad but at the same time, you also need someone to sit there and challenge your thoughts and not always, you know, just poo-poo it and just make you think of it differently and whatever that partnership is. So th- there's always... Somebody who is a disruptor. I always say yeah. only one, one thing is to be complicated and other word to be complex. And, up, and one is a disruptor and disruptor. So complicated people are ah, weight. Complex people is good. Make you think. People who break things is not good, but disrupt your normal part of thinking, it's make you grow too. So you not only need to agree with the other person, but that other person need to make you think. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, you need those challenging people in your life. And that's what I, I love when I surround myself with people like you and all these other amazing people I get to have conversations with that you're, 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 you're sit there and you challenge, you're, you're, you, you challenge the way we want to do things. And that's awesome. So <laughs> one challenge that I have, I ask him for everyone. I want pictures with mask. I going to give to everybody who send me a picture with a mask in 90 degrees when I can see your ears and the top part of your face. Okay. Doesn't matter where the mask I going to give you free, a complete 360 face reading without mask. That first, I need to read your, fi- your face with mask. We're doing a research, so we're asking people to send a picture with mask. We, we are the only people on the world who are doing that. So we are testing, we're getting the bar higher and higher. So we're asking for people we never know, different races, part of the world, send us a, a, a picture with mask. We're going to send you a report. Is the report is right or not wrong from our part? We still we're gonna give you a 360 face reading on your face and profile, so you don't have anything to lose. And by the way, uh, it's gonna be keeping confidential. And after the report, the pictures are gonna be destroyed. They're not gonna be in any peer review. It's all for internal challenge only. Wow, and that's actually what I was about to ask you was like, what do you have that's coming up over the next 12 months that you're working on that really excites you? So. I'm super excited about getting that word out there, if you don't mind. Um, oh, nobody's doing that. Actually, a lot of companies and security, if you need to go to the airport, you need to go to the Walmart, everybody's going to be wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. So reading emotions and reading a face is going to be really important. More important, first responders. Your mom fell on the house and she's wearing a mask for security. How the first responders know how to talk to her Mm-hmm. If she have the mask covered and you don't see the expression for the shape of the ears. So this study is going to help from the first responders who need to take care of your mom if she fell to the security on the airport to know what is a threat. So the idea to do in the study is not because we're going to have fun. It's because at the end of the day, all the people on the team want to do something better. 
and we're going to have a mask society and people are so afraid, kids are so afraid to see people with masks that if we start learning how we can see through that piece of cloth in your face, people are going to stop being afraid because when you're afraid, you're froze, fight or flight. And a society of fear is a society that doesn't grow and move forward. I look forward to helping push that message and, and re-listening to this and then getting that out there. I am super excited about that. All right. If, if you could leave us with one tip, mental exercise, something that if someone implemented over the next 30, 60, 90 days, they could see a pretty quick immediate result. What's something you could leave the listeners with? 80-20. You know what is 80-20? I've heard the term 80-20 for a lot of different things. You know, 80% of, 20% of the people doing 80%, you know, all different things are 90-10 rules. So what is the 80-20 in this? You know what? Nature is so intelligent. Give us two ears and one mouth. Because when you listen to understand is one thing, but when you listen to reply is another thing. One is hearing, another listen. We hear to reply. We listen to understand. I hear a noise, but I listen what you're saying to me. You know the difference? Mm -hmm. So if you start exercising, listening what people tell you, instead to try to be the cocky person replying the best, more intelligent answer in the room, but start listening to your clients, to your family, to your boss, to your next day neighbor, that is the best exercise you can do. You don't need to learn it's not that you need to go to the Amalaya and start like meditating. I respect that if you want to do that. But a simple way to improve your life and people around you, start listen to understand, not to listen to reply. Wow. That's so true. You know, what, what if we're always wanting to have a rebuttal, if we're always wanting to sit there and, and one-up that story, were we ever really, did we ever really care what we were, that other person was willing to share with us? And probably we didn't. No, because we were so worried to reply. Sometimes it's happened to me in classes that somebody want to be the more intelligent person in the room. Like, you know what? Here's not to be the more intelligent. The one who won is the one who live in this room knowing everybody's name and everybody's problem and everybody's phone number. So go for a drink after. You can be the cocky person in the room and the more intelligent, but you're going to go sleep alone tonight. So who's winning and losing no one when they're sleeping alone we, we know that so listen we have susan ibitz she is an amazing person that surrounds herself with amazing people on her team she's the founder of the human behavior lab susan thank you so much for spending the time you know even offline and and sharing what you've shared with me and your contact information will be in the show notes below thank you so much thanks to you for having me and i really enjoy our uh Kinky conversation private, but that's even, that's, that's what we're going to leave the audience thinking, what the heck they were talking about before the show? It's our secret. Good to have secrets. Yeah, they'll never know. All right, they'll thanks. <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Mastermind Effect, your secret weapon for personal development. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to share with a friend and leave a five-star review on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe through your favorite podcast host so you won't miss a single episode. You're one step closer to experiencing the mastermind effect.